welcome. This is Story You Talk Radio, and this is one excited Coach Debbie. I am back in the studio with Eric today. It feels like it's been ages, and I don't know how long it's been exactly, but it is so nice to be back here with our nice equipment, Eric's wonderful mood, our lovely view, uh, everything we need, everything we need to bring you a wonderful show. And I certainly do my best from home, but wow, I know I don't have my full support from there. I love being here, and I love bringing authors here. We're going to talk about that a little later. I have some invitations for new authors, especially new authors in the Seattle Bellevue area. I want to tell you that our topic today is going to be about your emotional IQ. Some people call it emotional intelligence. And I have my own reasons for believing that authors just just simply use emotional IQ to create their believable storylines. But the rest of us, we also navigate as best we can through the stories of our lives and authoring our days and taking control of what we need to be doing throughout the day by being very aware of our emotions and having a relationship with our emotions instead of just avoiding them and thinking they'll go away and thinking it'll all work out. A little time can help things. A little rest can give us peace, but avoidance, uh uh-uh, no. We need more emotional IQ than that. So we're going to be talking about that today. I'm going to give you my little spin on it, especially how I've been talking to the people in my mastermind group. What mastermind group, you might say? Well, the mastermind group, I offer it once a year, sometimes in the fall, sometimes in the winter, sometimes in August. It was just August, and we kicked it off. I got a seat or two left if you are late to the party Even though this show is live on September 3rd, I have a seat or two left if you've been thinking, that's exactly what I need. The Mastermind is a supportive community where I am there live and teaching you every week some of the deepest, most spiritual practices I know to keep you on track with your writing goals And any goal that you see as being highly important and any goal that is going to create transformation in your life. So you used to do things one way, and after 90 days there, you don't do them that way anymore, and you're not interested in the old way anymore. That's what we're up to. So if you're curious and you want to learn more, we can talk about that. Get in touch with me on email. Just write to Ask Coach Debbie. My name is spelled D E B B Y. Ask Coach Debbie at gmail.com. Another great way to stay in touch is go to my website. It's just coachdebbie.com. That's D E B B Y. And at the very bottom of that homepage, 
you will see a place to put your email address, and I'll send you newsletters about what's going on. I'll make sure you get the best pricing. It just opens up an easier way for us to communicate, and I would never, ever, ever, ever give away your email address. It's just for me and my great purposes. So I also have ways for you to communicate with me about the shows going on. You can just go to my Facebook page, which is Debbie Handrich. Handrich is just like it sounds. H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. And where you see the links for today's show, you can pop in a question or you can go to the back end, Facebook Messenger, and leave a question there and I will get to you. It's very rare that we have so many that I can't get to everyone, but if that's the case, just leave your email address or anticipate a reply from me directly in Facebook Messenger after the show. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I want to give a little shout out to Leanne Cabot. It's spelled K-A-B-A-T. Her new book about love relationships just hit the scene a couple days ago. And Leanne is a author from Washington. I believe she is in, in Bellevue. So just a nice little shout out. Go, Leanne. It is always so exciting when your book is just a few days old to the public. I also want to give a shout out to Al, who is driving eastbound to Leavenworth today to have a little time with his soul and to just get in touch with his own spiritual practice. I feel like I'm there with you, Al. Drive on and have a wonderful time. I also want to give a little shout out to my man, Todd. I hope all is well. Seems like ages since I saw you. I know it's only been days, but I hope your day is lovely, and I look forward to seeing you soon. But I have to just let you know, my sweet one, I'm getting together with Annette tonight. Yep, Annette and I, we're getting in her car, and we are going to one of our happy places to just bond together, share what's going on in our business, be besties, clink a little glass of champagne. Oh, man, I am so excited. It's just as good as being back here in the studio with Eric. Eric knows the numbers that you need to call for our show today. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing great, Debbie. Good to see you. Uh, if you want to call into the show today, yeah, we'd love to hear from you at 425-373-5527 or toll-free even, 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-KKNW. Thank you. So good to see you. Likewise. You know, uh, we're maintaining our social distancing. And just in case anybody's worried about that out there, uh, we got our six feet here. <laughs> but even with the six feet, it's still great. <laughs> it's still great. It's still great. He's way over there and I'm way over here. But technology allows us to sound like it's so close. But we are following all the good rules. And we can continue to take your calls, take your emails, take your messages, 
send them on in. You have all the most, let's see here. We have one, so far one question. So be the next one. We're talking about your emotional IQ and how do you manage your emotions? I find it really interesting that authors often say that they don't feel like they have a great ability to manage their own emotions. And yet if you sit down and read their books, you read especially fiction authors, they do an excellent job bringing their characters through the plots, sometimes deeply scathed and then transformed at the ends, sometimes unscathed at all, but going through really, really important storylines. I always find it fascinating when you watch an interview with an author and they tell you, you know, I I don't feel like I know a lot about the human experience, but some authors will say, I discover a lot through my characters. That's an author really practicing his or her emotional IQ which is basically the ability to manage your own emotions or manage yourself when you're faced with another person's emotions. Most of us know that the most basic of all emotions are whether you're feeling mad, whether you're feeling sad, or whether you're feeling glad. If you enter into therapy or coaching and you're feeling very anxious about your own emotions, they'll usually start there with those three basics. But quickly, you want to go deeper. You want to have a a literacy, an ability to read your emotions and speak about them and be comfortable with them. Because by doing so, you author your life as you wish more often than not. It's when our emotions seem to be so out of control that so does the story of our life. So I want to let you know there there are great people to follow that can take you on a journey through your emotional IQ. One lovely lady who has written about the language of emotions and empathy, her name is Carla McLaren, an excellent author. I highly recommend her. Another author I have learned so much about emotions from is John Bradshaw, and his book is The the Bind Us. I just... You know, I I think I know these titles by heart because I look at the books all of the time. I think it's called The Shame That Binds You. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me. John Bradshaw, look him up. Wonderful author about emotions. But you don't always find writers who claim that they have, you know, a degree in emotions or a proficiency in emotions. I'm not even going to claim that I do, even though I have taken plenty of certification around it. And I have stood back and watched plenty of arguments and plenty 
of situations that went well. Am I a master at emotions? <laughs> no. But am I someone who is in constant training? You betcha. I think it's very important. I think my life is better because I take emotions very seriously. And what helped me take emotions very seriously? Well, the falling apart. <laughs> Usually when things don't go well, we start to take things very seriously. And for me, one of the things years back that wasn't going well was a very intimate relationship I was having with my, my husband, my partner. Also, if I took note, I could see that there were holes in other relationships, whether they were family or work relationships or friendships. And, and I knew that while it would be fun to blame people and shame people and get mad at people and throw a big old tantrum, if I was ever going to feel better and enjoy my days, I was going to have to take some more responsibility. And usually that comes back to realizing that emotions start on the inside. Another person, another great author, who has taught me a lot about this is Michael Neal, N-E-I-L-L, -L, Michael Neal. He, he wrote Supercoach. He wrote... Mm -hmm. He wrote The Space Within. Ooh, that's a good one. That's kind of a higher level book that he wrote. Uh, he also wrote mm, that book with impossible in the title. I should write this stuff down. Don't, don't be like me. Write stuff down. He's a wonderful coach. He is a prolific author. And... One of the things he helped me understand was something that a coach of his helped him understand. Sid Banks helped him understand that our emotions begin with our thoughts. A lot of famous coaches talk about this. Our emotions begin with our thoughts. But what does that mean? What if you're hanging out with someone and you don't like what they're doing and then you start thinking about that you don't like what they're doing? Is that what that means? Mm, not totally, but kind of. Me, the idea that your emotions begin with your thoughts really, really goes back to those earlier days where you had more emotional experiences because when you're ages 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, that's about all you're doing is having one emotional experience after another. It takes about eight years for other areas of your brain to really start to develop. And in those first years, we have all kinds of experiences. Our emotions really hold on to how well we remember our experiences. And I'll bet you, you remember all kinds of things from your childhood, especially when you put your mind to it. But what you also remember is how you thought about that event. And usually, when we're having an emotional experience today in our life going on right now, it's taking us back to thoughts way back there. 
sometimes if we've done a lot of work with our emotions, it just takes us to thoughts that we've worked out. But sometimes it takes us way, 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 way back. How about you? What are your thoughts thus far about your emotional IQ? If you have questions, I'd love it if you'd send them in. We're going to take our first break right now, but when we come back, we're going to talk about how authors weave together emotions. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Five things you need to know about measles in 30 seconds. The vaccine was developed in 1963, and measles became rare in the U.S., but low vaccination rates are now causing outbreaks that may put you at risk. Measles is highly contagious and spreads easily when an infected person breathes or coughs. Measles can have serious complications and can be deadly. It's also easy to prevent with a vaccine that's safe and effective. Please make sure you and your loved ones are vaccinated. Learn more at nfid.org measles. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. We are talking today about your emotional IQ and also the emotional IQ of authors and how they help us think about our own. Now, I wonder, I wonder about some stories. If you were to think about maybe a story that your English teacher made you read or a story that your mom wanted you to read or a story your book club read, and it had some sort of impact on you. That impact, it was speaking to you through your emotions. And you might think, wow, authors, do they have to have all this mastered? Most authors would tell you that they don't, that they don't have a a mastery around emotional IQ. And yet I find it amazing how authors manage the plots that they take their readers through. I remember this time that my my mother and I, we were going to Seattle University, which is right here in the heart of Seattle. We were going there for an interview. I had an interview with a counselor. I really wanted to go to school there. And it's a Jesuit college. It was, you know, a very serious education. I'm, I do not have a, a Catholic background, but I, I wanted that. I wanted that structure and standard and, and the discipline that the Jesuits offer. So, to my great surprise, not only did I get in, but I qualified for a scholarship. And man. I got really serious. I thought this, 
this is a time in my life when I am going to pay attention. And whatever they assign, I'm going to do. I'm not going to skip anything. I'm not, you know, all my bad habits be gone. So there I am in one of my early writing classes. And Father Carroll, Father Carroll was great, great instructor. And I remember him telling me, we are going to read The Grapes of Wrath by John Steibeck. And I thought, oh, no, not that one. I've heard about that one. That one's one's known for being just very depressing. I don't want to read that. Can't we read something happy? But, of course, I wasn't in charge of the curriculum. (laughs) So I'm reading The Grapes of Wrath. And it's true. I was noticing the massive talent, once again, of John Steinbeck. But I was also having a very bleak, difficult experience reading this book because the emotions, oh my, the emotions taking place among these characters, they were barely uttered. It was hard hardly communicated, but he had this way of getting into the minds of characters and helping you experience what did it feel like to live through the Dust Bowl. Oh, I was, I was up late. I was reading this book late into the night. I was calling my mom and asking her, did you have to read this? Can you shed some light on this? Why would he make us read this? And, oh, gosh. And she really helped me. And and one of the things I remember my mother telling me is, Debbie, if you really, really want to understand yourself, you're going to pay attention to the ways that others come to understand themselves. And what greater way? than to read. She was very right about that. I mean, honestly, I was uncomfortable with the bleakness of this story because I was uncomfortable with the the bleakness of my own history, with those moments where I was three and four and five and six and seven and eight years old and taking in my own experience. I was still at age 25 and in college, uncomfortable with that. And what what I was sort of denying was that it was time to develop my own emotional IQ. How is it that you deal with the story of real sadness? Remember, I told you in the first segment that we usually start with the emotions of when we're mad and when we're sad and when we're glad. But below those, below those are something deeper. Bleak, ooh, bleak. It's, it's that place of feeling grief. And, and that might be one of the most difficult, difficult emotions to understand, let alone process. But one of the gifts that fiction writers give us, and of course nonfiction writers who coach us through emotions, one of their gifts is to really show us how others do it. Or like my mother said, observe what 
people are going through. How do they take one step after another and navigate those situations? Something I've come to understand is that when I'm, when I'm not able to really share my experience, when I'm not able to tap into my own voice, when I'm not able to get beyond my own writer's block or speak clearly about my brand or, you know, anything along those lines, when I feel disconnected to my voice, it's really because I'm feeling disconnected from my real self, or in other words, my emotions. If I don't have a connection with my emotions and my real self, it's going to be very hard to speak about what's true for me. It's going to be very hard to tell people what it is I do with my mastermind or my memoir classes. It's actually going into those emotions, really having an experience of those emotions, journaling those emotions, taking a step back, observing and getting acquainted with myself that my voice comes back. And this is something I teach people to do. It's often scary territory. It sure was for me. I didn't like it in college. I didn't want to read John Steinbeck. I knew he was a great writer. I read the little books, you know, the thin ones. The Pearl, also full of grief. Oh, geez, tough book. But Grapes of Wrath, that's lofty. 400 pages, maybe more. Tiny font. Oh, that was a tough one. Man, did I learn a lot from that book. Part of it was that advice that my mother told me, which was to observe what's really going on, but also to admire John Steinbeck. He was taking us on a journey through a family, a family going through terrible time through the Dust Bowl and the Depression. Uh, I was going to spoil how it ends. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to tell you this much. It ends sad. <laughs> It's a hard book. And and one of the things I find great about, about wonderful writing is that you get relief. You get relief from the sadness. You get relief from the hard times. And there was some of that, definitely, through the Grapes of Wrath. There was, but not at the end. Oh, a real sucker punch at the end. And, and I remember being in class with Father Carroll and the other students and, and, you know, half of us were in tears. I'm sure I was gushing. And, and somebody asked the courageous question, why? <laughs> why did you have us read this? And I remember him saying, my dear, we, we have to have the ability to navigate to navigate these feelings and navigate these circumstances. And I remember he said, I would never wish such times on you. Hey, we're going through some pretty, pretty important times right now, wouldn't you say? He said, I would never wish such times on you. But if you're going to go through some hard times, 
You're going to have to know a thing or two about your emotions. That's in my notes. That's in my notes from those class. You're going to have to know a thing or two about your emotions. He didn't say, you know, this is a time when we're going to take up a whole lot of, of, of literary criticism. If you don't have your English degree, that's a, uh, that's a really hard class about what everybody else thinks about writing. Maybe you think this, this show today is a literary critic, Coach Debbie, going off. I hope you don't. But a literary critic really, yeah, they get fussy. They get real fussy about what's going on in writing. But what Father Carroll wanted us to take away was the opportunity that you just might, you just might invite the experience of knowing your emotions even better. I find Michael Neal, the coach I spoke of earlier, I find him saying, once you know your emotions and how they work, you can have a little more freedom. It's not that you're going to have a good day and then forever on have great days that follow. It's not that. Emotions go up, they go down, they go sideways. But if you understand that emotions come from your thinking, you have this ability to be with it. It's just thinking. And you know, thinking, it comes and it goes. Thinking doesn't stay with you unless you choose to keep thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking about it. If you direct your energy to what you want to be thinking about, you just might grab a hold of that. I'll tell you this. Just a couple days ago, I was having some bad thinking around my business. It was weird because the day before, I was having great thinking around my business. I didn't expect it. I really didn't. I felt like I had gotten sucker punched. That that all of a sudden I was like, what? What am I doing here? What am I doing in these why questions? Have you ever noticed why questions take you into deep emotional angst? <laughs> it does for me. I was hanging out. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why won't this happen sooner? Why, 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 why? And I wasn't noticing that I was almost initiating more why thinking. But when I noticed it, when I tapped into my emotional intelligence and said, what are you doing to yourself, Debbie? I went, you know what? I could think a little bit differently about this. Instead of saying, why is it? Here was one. Why is it that this gal that follows me always says, I'll catch you in the next class. I know she wants this class, but she always says that. The why question wasn't serving me. It really wasn't. It was kicking up this anger. It was kicking up my angst that I am so excited to serve her, and she just won't sink her teeth in. So I asked myself, what are you doing? I caught myself spinning a thought. And then I sat down with myself and said, can you see this differently? Can you take on another perspective and see this differently instead of going, why, 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 why? 
Can you ask a new question, Debbie? And just asking it of myself. And the new question was, I wonder what it is she's saving for me. I wonder what it is. I've known her about two years now. She keeps saying she'll catch me in the next class. What is she saving up for me? Hmm. That made me feel curious. Took me out of the angst. I did it all by myself. I didn't have to drop five grand for a great coach to help me out of it. I did it all by myself. Why? Because I've already dropped five grand to have coaches help me out of it. I've got some experience now of shifting around the questions so that I navigate my emotions a little better. Do I always remember? No. Do I always do it well? No. Does it always switch off the angsty questioning? No. But it's a great place to start. You just put one foot in front of the other. What's a different question I could ask right now? Because when you're asking those questions, you're inviting this opportunity to have a new perspective. And that's always what you want. You don't want to hang out and go to sleep with angst. You don't want to be pulled down, down, down into grief. While grief is natural, you want to be able to work with it and process it. You don't want to be in the barrel, the pit of it all. You don't, you don't want to go down into the bottom of the well and get stuck there. You want to be able to process it. And sometimes the best way to process it is to come up with a new question. Get your mind off of the old track of why. Why is this happening to me? Why am I stuck here? Those questions. I mean, ask yourself this. When was the last time that question helped you feel great? (laughs) Probably never. What we learn is that we have an ability to come back to our voice. Sometimes, sometimes we're stuck with some pretty stringent rules that, that we have to read these books and we, we have to go through these challenges. But what I want to welcome you to is that your real self just wants to be connected back to your real voice. It wants to say what you really, really want to share. And it's often not that tumbling and tossing with your emotions. It's often a place of clarity. And to get to that higher ground, you're going to have to ask yourself some great questions. So in this last segment, I'm going to be talking to you about how we often begin with rules and we upgrade to new standards. And I'm going to be taking Melanie's question. So, Stay tuned. We're going to come right back after this break. Are you ready for something real, raw, upfront, and honest? Then tune in each Wednesday at 2 p.m. right here for Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and the host, Sakura Sutter. 
This show is unlike anything you have ever heard and was created to help others to help themselves. Hear me follow up with guests I have hypnotized and see how it has improved their lives. I will also spotlight amazing people from around the world. Their skin tips, live readings, and answers to life's burning questions. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. We are the physicians, the nurses, the hospital and health system leaders. All we ask of you is to take three simple steps proven to stop the spread of COVID. Wear a cloth face mask. Maintain social distance and wash your hands. Scientific evidence must shape our decisions, dictate our actions, and protect our health. We are not powerless. Together, we will defeat COVID. This has been a message from the American Hospital Association, the American Medical Association, and the American Nurses Association. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and I am delighted to be back in the studio today. It is so nice to be here with Eric, with this beautiful equipment, with the lovely view, and with you. Thank you for being with me today. I just want to give a nice shout out to Jill. Jill and I took, we were in early, early days of college together. I just want to say, Jill, thank you for listening, and you made those early days of college great. Thank you for being here today. I want to say hi to Annette, who is driving on her way to pick me up and take me out for a great date. I want to say hi to my sweet one, Todd. Thank you for tuning in. I also want to say hi to Mara. I am going to bring you some eggs this weekend from the fresh chicken egg nest and I also want to say hi to Al drive safely to Leavenworth and Melanie I want to say hi to you thank you so much for writing in today yes to answer your first question here the mastermind is going on I offer a mastermind once a year I do have a seat if you want it The Mastermind is a place for people to put their minds together. I bring in a teaching every week for 70 minutes. We are together. You get personalized Q&A. You also get support throughout the week. And if you choose every week, you get a 90-minute coaching session with me. So just subscribe to the newsletter or... Actually, I'll just, I'll just reply to you right after this. The newsletter is at CoachDebbie.com. And like I said, I offer it once every year. So let's move on to your questions here. Melanie, you said this is so interesting, the idea that we are more emotional as little kids. My experience of being a little kid was full of tears I was so sensitive. People could say anything to me, even nice things to me, and I would just shy away. Later I learned later I learned later probably learned. Later I learned that I was quite the introvert. But at the time I was just scared of everything. What I think had to do with this were the idea of the rules we had to follow at home. There were so many rules. My dad was a cop. When I was a little kid, 
he would sit me and my little brothers and sisters down on the edge of the bed and shake his finger at us and tell us what was expected. Me being the oldest of six, wow, wow, that's a big, (laughs) I was the oldest of two and for just a little while, four, but wow, the oldest of six. Me being the oldest of six, well, if the rules didn't go down well, we were lined up and I took it first. So I guess it makes sense that I was a sensitive girl, but still, today, I would say I don't know how to shake off emotions. I don't think you're really saying to shake it off, but I need more help. I really want to feel more comfortable in my own skin, and I don't think I have much in the way of an emotional IQ. Oh, you're not giving yourself much credit here. I think you do have an emotional IQ because you knew to ask a question. You knew to see how you might elevate it. You knew the word introvert. That's a really, really important word when we talk about our emotions. It's because introverts tend to learn so much in their own company. I, I'm more extroverted. I would tell you I'm, I'm 60% extroverted and 40% introverted. That, that would be my own uh, non-professional view of that that I I do learn a lot from writing and reflecting and being with myself. But boy, oh boy, I need my people. I need to watch. You, on the other hand, being introverted, I I just want to suggest right off the bat that you not only write down these things and send them to me like you did, but you might consider writing them down for yourself if you don't do it already. But what I heard in this, my dear, is that the, the finger shaking in front of you, the notion that you are the oldest, the, the responsible one, uh, the one that had to take it, uh, I'm hearing fear. I'm hearing fear that goes with you even today. And not knowing your age, I just, I just want to say if you're anywhere between, oh, 15 and 105, it makes sense that you're dealing with emotions because it's the human experience. We do. We deal with them. I think one of the hardest emotions to deal with is anxiety. I think you're speaking about anxiety here. I, I just want to assure you that as a little person, you were having that finger in front of you because Your dad was laying down the rules. He being a cop, maybe it felt like he was laying down the law. My dad wasn't a cop. And I'll tell you, I I felt like he was laying down the law. (laughs) I I felt like it, it, it was a his way or no way. I can even remember my mother's much more gentle way of saying it, which was, when you're an adult, you'll get to make the rules, Debbie. And at the time, I didn't like that. But you know what I did like? I liked the idea of looking forward to being an adult. So here's what I want to share with you, Melanie. When when we're young, we have to live by rules. We have to. It's the way it is. And as we grow older, 
whatever age you are at now, we start to come into our own. We start to find our, our voice for things. But there are places where we first remember how the rules were laid down. I find, though, that I'm a bit rebellious and I like freedom, and I know there's a lot of us like this. I find that my freedom comes because I've transformed rules. They used to be rules. I've made them more into my own standards. So, for example, we used to have rules when I was growing up about how you spend money. We had rules around what time you're expected home. (laughs) Yeah, 5 o'clock, not 5.01, 5 o'clock. You were expected home, and you were expected to call because school let out at 2.45, and you were expected to be home at 3.15, and if you weren't, you were expected to call, and you could stay out till 5, but not a minute beyond that. Those were the rules. You better believe I followed them. But now, now, I like a little more freedom. My true self likes to be expressed through freedom, not so much through rules. And I'm hearing that, Melanie, in your, your writing today here, your question today. So what I want you to think about are your standards. What kind of standards do you hold for yourself? Because that's going to help you go from feeling anxious. And that's the key word here, feeling anxious. Actually, you, you had a different word. Your word, your word was sensitive. It's going to help you move from being sensitive, which is a, an, a kind of anxiety, to feeling more empowered. When, when we have to live by rule number one and two and three and four and five and six and on and on and on, and often rules that we didn't create, we, we get stuck in that place of feeling anxious. But what would it be like if instead of having so many rules, you had your own standards? So follow me along here. My, my dad had a very, very great rule around spending money. And it, it was that you had better have a plan for that money you're spending before you spend it. In other words, don't rely on debt. Don't. I actually had a lot of guardians growing up. And, and looking back, most all of them followed this rule that we do not rely on debt. We, ri- we rely on a plan, and then we spend the money. Well, I followed that. It was the one we had to follow growing up. If I came to them and said, I want roller skates, they would look into the plan for the money. And if that wasn't something they could make happen with the plan for their money, there wasn't going to be any roller skates. And I needed to understand that. As an adult, when I get a hankering for roller skates or something else, I do go to a plan 
But I have been known to dig into debt for fun things, like roller skates and other things. Where the problem comes in is if I don't at some point have a plan that curbs debt. But where the freedom and fun comes in is knowing if there's something I want to buy for $30 or $40, and at the end of the month I know I'm going to have some cushion money, why not? Why not have a little fun and get some new roller skates? That's how I do it. Is it the way we did it growing up? No. Is it the way he does it now? I don't know. But I got to set a standard for my money. And I, I did it by at one point not having a standard and just doing whatever I wanted. At one point, I followed my dad's standard and I did it his way. But in wanting to not feel anxious about money, in wanting to be able to express what felt more true to me, I had to come into a standard I was willing to live by. And that really means setting up what works for me, the me that I am today. When I do that, I don't feel so anxious. I don't feel that sensitivity you're talking about. When I know how what my standards are socially, I don't feel as sensitive when I'm with others. For example, one standard I have set for myself when I go places socially is I can leave any time. I can leave any time. I used to play by the rule that if you were in church and you didn't like what you hear or you don't feel good or you really want a breath of fresh air, but it's the middle of church, you cannot leave no matter what. You had better just face passing out at the bottom of the pew before you leave in the middle of what's being said. That was kind of a rule I grew up with. Now, anything social. If I'm feeling a need for air, if I'm feeling a need to take a break from what someone's saying, if I'm feeling sensitive because I don't like what was said to me, it is okay to leave. It's okay to get up and go. I don't have to go all the way home. I might just go to the water fountain. But my sensitivity my sensitivity is trying to relate to me. It's an emotion. I had best listen to it. Even as an extrovert, it's very important to listen. What are my emotions asking of me? If I feel very uncomfortable about something I've just heard, there's nothing wrong with taking a little break. There's nothing wrong, I think, with going home. But that's a standard I've set for me. People have to set standards for what feels right for them. Melanie, I hope that serves you. Looks like you are the only one with a question today. Feel free to write in any time. Feel free to send me a, an email if you would like to continue the conversation further. Our emotional IQ 
is something that I feel we have a relationship with because we choose, we choose to work with our thinking. If we don't want to work with our thinking and all the ways we self-talk, all those questions, all that, that hamster wheel we can get on, we're probably not going to have lovely and wonderful and free experiences. We, we owe it to ourselves to, to experience some freedom and to allow those rules to soften to allow our voice to be what we really, really want to say. I'll go into this deeper in a future podcast, but what I want to share with you right now is take a little look at your beliefs. What is it that you believe? Because if you believe that credit cards are evil, it's going to be hard for you to rewrite your own standards around money. If you believe it's wrong, just wrong, to actually get up and leave something when it's in the middle, it's going to be hard for you to find your own standard. Look at those beliefs. That's going to welcome you to have a new relationship with yourself around your own emotional IQ. The authors and writers have been doing it for eons. We can catch up to them. Take a look at their characters. Take a look at how they weave story together, how they build plot. What are they doing there? You can do the exact same thing in your own life, but it's not going to happen just because you want it to. It's going to happen because you decide. So, I hope this serves you today. It has been a pleasure to be with you. I'm here every Thursday, 4 o'clock live, and the replay is often every Friday, 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Until next week, namaste, my friends.